Hello, welcome back to the series on the five-fold ministry. I'd like to welcome you to lesson two. So tonight we're going to be talking about the functionality of the church. We're going to do a quick recap on last week's lesson, and then we're going to kind of dive in and go through this lesson uh, somewhat quickly. There's um, a couple new definitions that we're going to tackle, but other than that, not a ton of content here. Um, So let's go ahead and do our um, quick run over of what we talked about last week. Last week, we covered definitions of government. We talked about the body of Christ. I hope that you've started to memorize the terminology of the fivefold ministry, meaning the um, names of the fivefold ministry giftings the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. If you are um, a mnemonic person, then maybe you even wrote down the always pray every prayer thoroughly. We defined the word mystery as according to the Bible, and we talked about elders and bishops and how there's no biblical distinction between the two. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to get on into this thing. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time, and Father, I just ask that you would be uh, making your presence known to each person who's joined together for this lesson tonight. Lord, I do ask that... um, each one of these people would just be blessed by what they learn, that they would uh, use it, Lord God, as a tool to bring them closer to you. Father, I do uh, pray your blessings over each one of them, and I I ask, Lord God, that uh, throughout this course that they would just use it as a time to draw closer to you, to gain a better understanding of your word, and and to uh, strengthen their walk with you. So, Father, I do ask uh, once more that you would just Rain, their, rain your blessings over each one of them and um, just be the God that each one of them needs tonight, Lord God, whether it's Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, whether it's Jehovah Rapha, God their healer. Father, I don't know, uh, I, what I do know is that we each come uh, with a different condition of heart. And Father, I just ask that each one would just quiet themselves down and sit in your presence for a moment as we begin. And we dedicate this lesson to you and ask that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen and Amen. We're going to start by defining um, the ministry or office of a deacon. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write down deacon. And then the definition of the word deacon, we're going to get it from uh, the Greek, just the same as we did with elders and bishops, and the same as we're going to do uh, the rest of the uh, terminologies throughout this course. So, the English word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, or diakonos, however you wish to pronounce it. Uh, and, and, and this Greek word literally means a servant of people, an attendant, a server, or get this, a minister. Okay, uh, so real quick, in case you're part of a local church that doesn't recognize deacons. Basically, uh, and and if if you're not in a church that recognizes deacons, uh, maybe you are in a church that recognizes elders, but they're essentially one and the same. Uh, So based on that definition, you can derive the fact that 
a deacon is, is, is an overseer, just like we said last week that elders and bishops are both overseers, and that's why there's no biblical distinction. So it's kind of like tacking on a third word to the, uh, or well, rather a fourth word now uh, under, under the cloak of overseer. <clears throat> so overseer is the same as elder, bishop, and deacon. Um, but if, if your church doesn't recognize elders, then perhaps they use the word deacon. And I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that these deacons that are in your church are likely then the elders. And if you're in a church that uh, does the opposite, then the opposite is true. But it's important to just uh, kind of start to get an understanding of what the elders or the deacons are there for. So, now... Stay with me here. I know that elders and deacons aren't part of the fivefold ministry, we'll say for now, but you're going to see in the coming lessons how they play a role in the fivefold ministry. Um, so, elders and deacons are set in the local church as overseers, and what they do is, is they are appointed to a group of congregates so that those congregates have someone to confide in without always going to the guy called the pastor, right? So, um, you know, it, different situations arise, and sometimes you don't need the pastor, you just need somebody to talk to, and so you call your deacon or your elder uh, who's assigned to your group, and, and different churches do it differently. Some do it by age grouping, some do it by... Um, you know, family size. Some will do it by alphabetical last name, uh, but that none of that's really relevant. Um, but but deacons are appointed to a small group of people within the local church. Now there's some qualifications of elders or deacons that we need to talk about, and they are listed in Scripture. If you want to read along with them, they are found in Titus chapter one, and the listing. Uh, we'll begin in verse 5 and continue on um, for several verses. But um, basically, some of these qualifications, we're going to call them domestic qualifications. So these aren't, um, they're, they're not really what, what you might think of as Christian qualifications. We're going to call them domestic qualifications. In other words, who is this person outside of the church building? That's what's going to qualify an elder or a deacon. Um, this same list is actually found in, um, I believe it's 1 Timothy. And in, in, in some translations in Timothy, it actually states it as qualifications of a pastor. But we're going to zip that word out of there and we're going to say qualifications for elders or overseers, and we'll get to pastors when we get to pastors in a few weeks. Some of the qualifications. This person must be blameless, of good report, slow to anger, sober-minded, temperate, hospitable, patient, grave or honorable, not given to wine, that's an important one, and live an exemplary life. All right. Uh, I'm just going to touch on a couple of these that I think need a little further explanation. 
the exemplary life. That's going to tie directly into not given to wine. Why? Well, here's why. Because, of course, if we have an elder or a deacon in the church who is to be living an exemplary life and you are one of those families under this uh, deacon and you happen to be out at Applebee's and you see the deacon getting completely sloshed at the bar, well, then your uh, teenage children now have a uh, corrupted image of the office of the deacon or the elder because now they think that, well, that must be okay because there's the deacon and she's having a good time. He's having a good time. That's not okay. So exemplary life must not be given to wine. Um, another, another one, we're going we're gonna to play off of that not given to wine for just a minute. Um, it, it, that one ties so easily to the others um, because alcohol is a controlling substance. And whether you choose to believe that or not, the fact remains that it does control your central nervous system um, by slowing your thought process, which thereby takes away your sober-mindedness, tends to speed up the anger process, uh, tends to reduce your patience, your hospitality. You see how that one kind of picks away at all the others? Um, and and you, unfortunately, a lot of people can get into some sticky situations and then it picks away at their blamelessness so we got to watch that one uh, especially closely and then another one that i want to touch on is being patient um you got to watch that one and and i know that we are all human we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god that's no surprise to anyone what i do want you to know uh we're going to call this a word of caution If you are short for patience, pray that God would give you wisdom to increase your patience. Don't just pray for an increase of patience because um, I I will never forget when I was young in ministry, I gave a message that I thought was really super on patience and, and how great patience is and why it's so important. And boy, did that backfire on me. And uh, I know that there's many people that'll be listening to this that will understand that reference. But um, it, that, that's just kind of the way it seems to go. When you pray for patience, you're put to the test. And the testing will certainly give you patience. So I've learned through my years, pray for wisdom to increase your patience. Um, but, but these are the qualifications of elders, of deacons, um, to, to work in the local church. So I want you to, if, if, especially if you're serving right now as an elder or a deacon in your local church, I want you to pray over that list. I want you to pray, God, um, where, where can I be better? There's always room for improvement, amen. So I want you to um, pray that God would expose to you an area in which you're lacking in this and and allow him to heal that. Help him, or not help him, but 
allow him to cause you to grow. Note that I did not say allow him to help you to grow because you're not in control. God is in control. And so allow him to cause you to grow from this uh, situation which he'll expose to you. Uh, Nothing but good can really come from that because that will just um, build up your, not your ego, but it's going to build up your uh, your good report and your your blamelessness. It's it's just going to build up the qualifications. It's really going to um, edify you as a believer. So, with all of that in mind, I want to talk a little bit about the term ordination, and I'm going to compare and contrast ordination to licensing. So, uh, first and foremost, let's go ahead and define what it means to be ordained. What is ordination? Ordination is the public setting apart of one person to the ministry. Okay? Now, I want to make one thing clear. It is not up to us as human beings to set one another apart into ministry. God has already taken care of that when he placed a call in your life. Now, um, it's, it's... A little bit tough to wrap your mind around sometimes, but I want you to think through this kind of slowly. No matter what it is that you do for a living, uh, if you're a doctor, a nurse, an electrician, um, a plumber, a mechanic, I don't care. Whatever you do, you, well, uh, the book of Colossians tells us to do all things heartily as unto the Lord. And, and, and so in that, that tells us that if we do something heartily and as unto the Lord, that that can be our ministry opportunity. And so I want to challenge your thinking, and I want you to recognize that what you do for a living, even though sometimes it might not seem um, like you're doing something that's maybe optimal or you might not love it, you recognize that it's only for a season, I want you to recognize the fact that God called you to the place that you're in right now for a reason and that God has ordained you to do the work that you're doing for a reason. So God alone is the one who sets one person apart for the work of his ministry. Now what we here on earth think of when we think of ordination is a little bit different and that's okay uh, because what we do is... um, we, we tend to misspeak. And what happens is we say, you know, oh, the pastor ordained me in the church. Or, you know, my favorite is I got online and got ordained so that I can... <clears throat> well, you know why people do that. I won't get into that. It fires me up. So, but but ordination truly is... God's calling. God is the one that's ordained you. And then what happens in the local church, what we see here on earth as ordination is when this person uh, who might be an elder or a deacon in the church is ordained to a ministry, the pastor and the uh, fellow elders gather around before the congregation and lay hands on this person and, and, and we call this ordaining them, but truly what it is, is 
Um, it's, it's truly just a public recognition of God's ordination on their life. Okay? Now, to contrast this with licensing, uh, I personally am licensed as a minister of the gospel, and that license gives me legal authority. So if you, if you need a way to remember it, think licensing is legal. Licensing, my license give, gives me a legal authority to um, perform wedding ceremonies, to perform funerals, and take care of the legal end of things. And, and we need that license to satisfy man's government requirements. We don't need the license to satisfy any requirements of God. Um, so licensing is legal. Ordination is of God. Okay? That's, I, I want you to kind of separate those two in your mind because a lot of people get kind of bent out of shape about, you know, oh, the pastor has to be ordained. No, technically, he is ordained even if he doesn't have a special little piece of paper that says, I'm ordained. Okay? Um, now, technically, in, in a local church, the pastor should be licensed because if, if he's serving in a growing church, he's going to have to sign, uh, he or she, that is, is going to have to sign uh, some, some marriage licenses. And, and if he's in an older church, he's going to have to sign some funeral documentation, he or she, that is. Um, and I nearly forgot, I, I'm going to interject here in just a moment the question that I received from last week's lesson, uh, because I don't want to forget to share it with you. It's, it's very good and it's very important. Um, but, but I want you to have a good understanding of the difference between ordination and licensing. They tend to go hand in hand. You can be licensed and ordained, or you can be one or the other, but uh, if, if you are planning to serve in a ministry wherein you will be signing marriage licenses, then you will need to be licensed, not solely ordained. So now, uh, getting into the question that I received last week. I'll think I want you to kind of put all of this information in your, in your brain's basket. And so we, we just covered a whole slew of stuff about elders and, and bishops and deacons and who's going to be licensed, who's going to be ordained. So I got a question last week from one of your classmates. And he said, Eric, I, um, I, I read this book and the premise is all about elders and the author makes the point that the elders are supposed to be only men. And he said, uh, are we going to cover this? And, um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? And I said, yes, we are going to cover this because as we get into the five specific ministries, we're going to name names of those in the Bible um, who were called to those specific ministries. And I'm also going to tell you up front my answer to the question. Is the office or title of an elder 
strictly for men? My answer is absolutely, unequivocally, no. Here's why. I know that I have been called to pastoral ministry. That was the call that God laid on my heart and has been evidenced um, through, um, you know, the leading of my house church and, and you know, the, the way that I find such joy in preaching and teaching the word. And, and so I know that that's, that's where my call is. Now, as a, as a person who is called to a pastoral ministry, if, if the Lord would someday open a door for me to step in to um, what we know as a traditional local church, and I would need to um, appoint elders or deacons, I could not justify only appointing men in the church to be elders or deacons. Um, and, and the reason is, if I said elders should only be men, then I have used my, my human mind to usurp the power and authority of God and nullify the call which God has placed on the life of a woman based on her gender. Uh, it's important for us to recognize that God is not a respecter of persons and that he created us, male and female, for procre- procreation. Uh, we're taught in the book of Genesis um, when, when he gave Adam and Eve instructions and said, you know, be fruitful, multiply, populate the earth, subdue it. That's, that's the same instruction that we have to take to heart as, as God-fearing people uh, who are married. And um, that's, that's our kind of our duty, if you will, is to um, recognize the fact that we were created as male and female for that purpose. Now, knowing that God knows who's a male and who's a female, I want you to also understand that there, there are so many scriptures that say God looks at the heart. God looks deeper. God looks into the man, man being mankind. And, and so when God sees you and calls you to a ministry, he's not looking at whether you're male or female. He's looking at your servanthood. And, and so God says, I'm going to call this group of people to be apostles. And I'm going to call this group of people to be prophets. And this group to be evangelists. And, and this group for pastors. And this group for teachers. And what's important to know is, contrary to some denominational beliefs, he did not say... Only the men will be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors, and only the women will be allowed to be teachers. That's not what happened. Um, So I want to make it perfectly clear. Elders are men and women. I, as a human being, cannot rob someone of their call to the ministry based on their gender. All right. Um, so that's, that was an excellent question and I appreciate, um, that it was asked 
because it, it, that is an important thing to get a grasp on. I know that there are a lot of denominations which believe uh, only men should serve in certain ministries and, and women should only serve in certain ministries. And so I want you to uh, just use caution, but now you have an understanding. If you have your Bible out, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. And we're going to tackle a couple of scriptures here so that we can uh, wrap this lesson up. And then I'm going to give you a prayer challenge as your homework for this week. Um, so let's, let's go through a couple of scriptures. Acts chapter 20. If you're turning there, we're going to start in verse 17. Acts 20, verse 17, I'm reading from the New International Version. Pardon me. Uh, I had a little moment there where my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth. Acts 20, 17, NIV. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. All right. Uh, On your own time, sometime this week, maybe maybe sit down and take a few minutes just to read or even listen to all of Acts 20, just so that you have an idea of what's going on. Um, But we're going to, for the time being, um, just to keep it brief, I want to start in 17 so that you know Paul's writing a letter to the church of Ephesus, and it's addressed to the elders of the church. Now we're going to jump down to verse 28, and this is one of the points in the letter. And verse 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, that is not the denomination, but the global church, which he bought with his own blood. Why am I using that scripture? Because I want to reiterate what we learned uh, last week and what we've noticed now again this week is elders, bishops, deacons being under this cloak of overseers. So in verse 17, Paul writes to the elders, and in verse 28, he says, remember, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Um, We already kind of covered the next scripture that I was going to take us into, which is Titus uh, 1, 5, through basically the rest of that chapter. Um, Again, sit down, read the chapter, I'm always going to tell you to read the chapter, not just a couple verses, because that's where you get the most of your information. If the Holy Spirit would uh, lead you to read a little bit before the chapter and then a little bit after the chapter so that you get the, the whole picture and not just part of, of what we've divided into chapters, that's great and, and truly even better. Uh, but for now, I'm not going to take time to read to you uh, Titus 1. Uh, because we've already covered the qualifications, and that's the listing of those qualifications. So the next scripture that we're going to tackle here is First Peter. We're going to go to chapter 5 and read verse 2. And this is what it says. It says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Okay, uh, that's, that's the scripture that I want to close with before I give you your prayer challenge for your homework. 
And here's why. I want you to walk away from this lesson and, and you know, I want you to look over the qualifications that you jotted down in your notes. I want you to read through the scripture passages. And then I want you to do this prayer challenge and it's, it's going to go hand in hand with this verse from 1 Peter. So for your prayer challenge this week, I want you to write these couple of questions down on a piece of paper. The questions are, how is a church a body? Okay, write that down. How is a church a body? How do these offices, that's elder, bishop, deacon, play a role in the body? And what are the functions of all members or congregates, for a better word? What are the functions of all congregates in a local church? All right. So the reason that we're dropping this down to local church size is so that we can, if we start by understanding the local church, it makes it easier to understand the global church. But I, I, I'm going to read 1 Peter 5.2 to you one more time just because I really want it to sink in as we part for the evening. And it says this once more, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So in part of that, I want you to Uh, Pray through those three questions and see what God would reveal to you. I want you um, to pray again about the qualifications that you read in Titus chapter 1. And I want you to pray very earnestly about how you exhibit each of those qualifications. And then I want you um, to close your prayer challenge by prayerfully reading and, and, I mean... When I say read, I mean highlight, underline, and really ink up your Bible on 1 Peter 5.2 and and truly search your heart and say, am am I being a shepherd of God's flock? Am, Am I called and serving willingly? What's my motive? What am I in this for? Or, here's an even better one. How do I view my own service to God's people? Am I eager to serve or am I wore down? If you're, if you're worn out, if you're totally bogged down and, and wore out, uh, don't hesitate to, to come up to me and say, Brother, I need prayer because... I, I want to pray for you. I want to help get you refreshed and renewed because it's it's a bad place to be in when you're bogged down. Um, I've been there myself, and it, it usually takes a fellow believer to help dig you out of that hole. So don't be afraid. I, again, I want you to ask questions. I want you to um, be comfortable coming to me if you, if you need prayer for something. If you need help understanding, I'm more than happy to answer your questions and then we can address them um, next week for the rest of the group so that we can make sure everybody's on the same page. But that's 
that's where we're going to leave this lesson uh, for this week. So go through, do that prayer challenge. Let me know if you have questions. Keep thinking about this through the week. And then um, next week, we're going to step in to uh, the ministry of the apostle. And we're going to try to get our grips on that. And we're going to work forward from there. I'm excited and I hope that you are too. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. And then we'll see you in a few days. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, once more we come back before your throne. And I thank you, Lord God, for for this time, for this lesson. And I pray, Father God, that these words would not have fallen on deaf ears. But Father, in the name of Jesus, that you alone will have worked in the hearts of each person who's heard this message, this teaching, and, and that you would... Uh, begin to show them, Lord God, these things in their own lives so that they would have a better understanding, so that they would come closer to you and and, and walk closer with you. And uh, Lord God, I just ask that that you would bring them, each one, into a, into a place of prayer this week to work on this prayer challenge, which I believe that you led me to offer to them, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that that you would expose unto these people what you need to expose about their very own hearts, about their about themselves, Lord God, so that they could have a greater and better understanding of, of how you plan to use them. So, Father, I give you praise and I, and I give you thanks, Lord, for all that you're going to do through this. And uh, we, can't wait, we can't wait to meet again under your name again next week. Praise you and thank you, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all, and I'll see you in a week. Bye-bye.